When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles 2021 draft hall, the team's biggest needs and depth chart. Plus, we'll give you grades for each pick as we break down each selection. Chris, how you doing today? Not bad, man. It was a it was definitely interesting experience going through this first draft, you know, with you. It was fun and looking forward to go ahead and talking this draft, man. How you doing? Well, since you were so enthusiastic, I'm, I'm doing terrific. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, 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 no Red Bull today. That's why it's been a little weird. <laughs> yeah, I can feel you. I just actually put my Red Bull back in the fridge because I've had a lot of coffee already today. And then I had a raspberry iced tea. So I was like, eh, I'm probably already all right, but I'll probably need it by like four o'clock. <laughs> Anywho, um, you know, I felt like we put out a lot of, I don't mean to toot our own horn, but I felt like we put out a lot of content this weekend and a lot of good stuff. We did a lot of analysis. We did a lot of grades. We did some features. Uh, overall, I thought it was a successful weekend for the NJAM uh, Eagles crew. I also thought the Giants beat writers and Jets beat writers did a fantastic job as well. Um, you know, uh, I put out a piece that I'm pretty proud of today about Devonte Smith, uh, basically just giving you the ins and outs of his personality, what people close to him think motivates him, what people talk about is why talk about his, his strengths, his weaknesses, his workman like mentality. Um, you can check that on, out on nj.com. Um, bring your reading glasses. It's a bit of a longer read. Um, but you know, I thought we kind of really captured the moment or at least I hope we did. And I'm ready to talk about this draft because I think it's one of the more intriguing drafts that Harry Roseman has had in quite some time. To me, it's very clear that they stuck to their board. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about ESPN capturing that awkward moment during the, or or, or immediately after the Milton Williams, uh, pick um but yeah chris overall your sediments on this draft class i thought it was pretty good given the circumstance where they were picking and how they were able to maneuver around the board at times i 
I think they did. It was like a sandwich. You had the the day one and the day three. I thought they did extremely well. Well, I won't say extremely. I thought they did well. I think the day two, there are a couple of questions, especially we'll talk about a little later as well, too. But overall, I think given that this team and is no sugarcoating, this team, I don't think is going to be competing for a Super Bowl next year. And they're in the middle of a rebuild. So given the pieces that they need and they had and what they had to address overall, I thought it wasn't a bad draft class completely. How about you? Well, I, I think you hit it on the head. This is a <clears throat> transition period or a rebuild, whatever you want to call it. And it's about getting the best players. It's not necessarily fitting for need. That's why BPA is so important. And a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> you'll have a lot of people complain, you know, they didn't target a corner early. Well, they did. Horn and JC, uh, JC Horn and Patrick Sertan just came off the board before they were able to trade up to get them. Um, I think Devontae Smith is going to be a guy that a lot of people like. Um, I think he definitely upgrades the offense, especially the wide receiver group. I think he's a true number one wide receiver. I know there are concerns about his slender build, um, uh, but I do think he's a guy who can win one-on-one because of his route running prowess, because he's a technician. He does still have speed. He does actually have some, some under the radar strength too. He's got big hands. He catches pretty much everything. So I think I don't think the size issue is overblown, but I think it's about his slender frame and not necessarily his size. Cause he's six foot 166 pounds. I think he'll play probably closer to 172. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of more of where he's at. Uh, but I gave the pick a B plus. What, what would you give the, the pick obviously with the trade up and everything else? I'd give it an A. I mean, he was the guy for a lot of mocks. I thought the Eagles were going to go corner on a def- on the defensive and address a defensive side of the ball. I think he, they, the biggest thing is going to be is how Nick Sirianni is going to use him in the scheme. I still think even if he lines up as that X receiver on the line, I think he's quick enough and he's able to get a, enough of a release and separation that it won't be a problem. But I, I'm really curious to see how they – if they will go ahead and use them in motion, if they go ahead and use them in backfield to try to get them lined up against a safety, stuff like that. There's so much you can do with them because of his skill set. And then when he runs his routes, it is so precise and he's disguised which way he's going. I mean, you look at, you don't know, but his, all of his routes look the same. You don't know if he's going inside or outside when you're 10 yards down the field. And with every, every little inch helps when it comes to trying to get that separation. So overall, I thought he liked it. Even with the, th- even though they had to give a third round pick, I thought you kept him out the hands of the giants and you're able to still get somebody that's transform your wide receiver core. And I think it benefits everybody else. I think it definitely helps Jalen Rager because all that pressure won't be on him. And I think that especially if Smith has success early on, that will enable a lot more one-on-one coverage for Rager. So I think overall it just helps the Eagles offense. Yeah, I agree with that. And and for our audience at home, when we say X receiver, we're talking about the wide receiver who's isolated uh, to on the outside at the line of scrimmage, meaning he's going to face press man coverage if a team plays press. It means he's going to try to be thrown off his route physically. The Z receiver is the flanker. He's about two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, and so you're, you're able to kind of move and get out of your set really easily. Um and out of your breaks very easily because you have that cushion. Because if a, if a cornerback is, is, you know, dropping in coverage, you have space to kind of get open. Obviously, the slot receiver, you know, is on the inside. He has space as well. 
The concern about Devontae Smith is that if he gets roughed up at the line too often, is he going to break down physically? Is he going to have durability issues? But here's the thing. And Nick Sirianni brought this up before the draft. He's had a used T.Y. Hilton as a an ex-receiver. Um, and T.Y. Hilton's pretty small. Um, Devontae Smith is taller. I mean, he obviously probably weighs a little bit less. But I think that's a good comparison. And when you look at – we'll get a little bit more into this in, in, as we go eat pick by pick. But I think when you look at the offensive players they brought in, they fit a certain archetype that was in the Colts' offense. As we talk about wide receivers, I think you can compare Travis Fulgham to a Michael Pittman. I think you can compare Jalen Rager to a Zach Pascal, an undrafted wide receiver who became a key part of that offense, who was, you know, really a guy who is ascending. He got a second round tender this year as a restricted free agent. Um, and he's a good, decent number two, number three wide receiver. I, I think Rager is much more talented and will be much more successful, but I think you can make that comparison as far as size, skill set, and versatility. And then when you look at, at Smith, I think you can compare him from a speed factor, from a route running perspective to T.Y. Hilton. He might actually be a lot more evolved than Hilton was coming into the league, but I think that all matches up. Um, let's get into... The real controversial pick here, Landon Dickerson in the second round, number 37. Uh, there were rumors that the Giants also wanted Dickerson and were trying to trade up, but the Eagles stayed put and drafted Dickerson. Now, Dickerson's got a laundry list of injuries. He started his college career at FSU, suffered a couple of different ankle injuries. Or he suffered an ACL injury as a freshman, then had a, a season-ending ankle injury in his second year, then another ankle injury in his third year got his degree, transferred to Alabama, played an entire year uh, as a junior, was one of the best uh, interior linemen in the country. Then this past year, had an incredible year, but tore his ACL, I, I believe it was the second to last game uh, of the season, and still won the Remington Award as the best offensive interior offensive lineman in, in the country. So... The dude's got Pro Bowl talent. I spoke to three different talent evaluators who all praised the pick by the Eagles. Two of them said that they thought he could be an immediate Pro Bowl-level starter. Another one said he would have been a top-20 pick had he not been coming off an ACL injury. Now, two ACL injuries, that's kind of rough. But what, what's your overall take on that, Chris? I thought it's one of those high-risk picks that if – in three years from now, if he he looks like an All Pro, it looks great. But there's still like there's still so many questions with those injuries, especially in an interior as an interior lineman, and you have to worry about not a lot of people like rolling over, like especially when you have going to short yard situations or you're trying to do a cut block. Somebody you're pushed back, defensive lineman pushes you back, and you roll over, and this guy's already had ACL injuries. You're always gonna be holding your breath. It's going to scare you a little bit. I mean, he's definitely a power. He definitely has a lot of power as an interior lineman. He gives you a lot of versatility. I mean, he's mentioned before he's played all five of offensive line positions. He's definitely not going to be a tackle, but playing him playing as a center or a guard, it gives you a lot of options. You can either use him at, at the left guard, replace Sayamalu if the team decides he wants to move on in the future from Brandon Brooks. You got that most likely as a center. You know what Jason Kelsey keeps saying? Hey, you know what? He keeps contemplating retirement. He, he would fit in perfectly, but the problem is going to be, is he going to be available to go ahead and play there? And how long can those knees and, and, and ankle surgeries and everything else, how long can that all hold up? And if he can find a way to remain on the field, this is going to look like a great pick. It's just so many question marks on there with this. Yeah, and the feedback I'm getting is he's an incredible pass protector, uh, very, very smart, um, and 
The thing is here is I wonder if they view picking him this year, he can back up all three interior spots and maybe not have as much wear and tear in theory. Uh, and then eventually take over for Kelsey or take over for Samalu if they move Samalu into center or, you know, as you mentioned, Brendan Brooks. Um, his versatility is important. His character is important. But yeah, it's a massive risk. Uh, I gave this a C. What would you give it? This is the one I probably go. I, see, I hate when we agree a lot of stuff. It's definitely a C because it's it can go either way. If he if he doesn't if he's hurt and he's out of the league within five years because of these injuries, it looks it's a horrible pick in the second round. But like it, it is enough. It was good value. I know you, you don't want to say especially in the second round. Oh, as a value pick, but given the way he the way he played and what he offers, it, it definitely was. So I, I give it C. Probably C plus. I'll give C C plus in that range. All right, cool. So let's talk about uh, Milton Williams, another controversial pick, I guess you could say. So the Eagles uh, traded, obviously, their 84th overall pick, the pick they got from uh, the Carson Wentz trade, uh, to move up to 10 to get uh, Devontae Williams. So they only had one third-round pick after all uh, when it was all said and done. They picked Milton Williams, Louisiana Tech, defensive tackle slash defensive end. Um Wait, did I say his name? Sorry, my, my brain just like turned off. Uh, so so Louisiana Tech defensive lineman Milton Williams. Um, before we get into the grade and talk about the player, there was a, a, a moment where senior uh, advisor Tom Donahue, Don, Donahue uh, had an awkward moment with Howie Roseman where Howie Roseman was kind of like taking a victory lap and, and Donahue like reluctantly hand pounded him. Uh, Roseman addressed the situation after uh, ESPN caught the footage. He said, you know, there were players on the board that they really like, but they traded back three spots with the Carolina Panthers to pick up a sixth round pick. Uh, it was kind of a cute move. Um, so I can understand why somebody who probably was pounding the table for one of the two players that got picked in front of them uh, would be frustrated. But it seems like defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon was super stoked about this pick. Jonathan Gannon's a former uh, NFL scout. He's a longtime DBs coach, and now he's the defensive coordinator. Uh, everybody has said that Aaron Robinson from UCF, the cornerback, was probably the guy that uh, Donahue wanted. The problem, though, is you've got a former DBs coach and a former scout excited about a defensive tackle, a hybrid defensive tackle, defensive end. Um, but everybody seemed to be copacetic uh, after that. It seemed like they followed their board, um, but they probably did want a corner because as we've mentioned several times, that was their biggest need entering the draft. So Chris, you start off, give me your impressions of uh, Milton Williams. What do you think? Well, I think he, he, he gives you a lot. Uh, you know, and I've saying this a lot, but it's a lot of versatility. He's able to play defensive tackle, defensive end, strong as hell. He goes, he's bench, saw bench press 500 pounds, which is, is pretty impressive. And it, I think this is a, a move for the future, given right. the way the contract status of Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave is mean, beyond after 2022, you you have a lot of flexibility and go a different direction as well, too. So I think he fits more of that mold. And, and you mentioned it earlier, especially with Aaron Robinson aboard, you have a former you have a, a defensive backs coach, a former defensive backs coach. And he's saying, you know what, I'd rather go to the lineman. I mean, what, that could have been pretty telling of as of what his view was when it came to there. But. I look at Williams. I think he can be a good rotational guy. I mean, this team going into the draft had some questions when it came to death. I mean, he had like Raekwon Williams and Rashad and Hassan Ridgeway. And Ridgeway, I had no problem with Williams. I have some questions with, but if you pair for like a second unit, you player Williams with Ridgeway, I think pass rush can actually be good. Yeah, I agree. I think this team needed kind of like a 
an Andy Reid style fireball. Um, a guy you could kind of like Darren Howard, where you could kind of move him around the rotation because look, they've got three defensive ends, one who's 33 and two guys who are on the final years of their rookie contracts, a defensive tackle. You got um, two veterans making a crap ton of money and like nothing else. And so to take care of both needs in those rotations and kind of have like a sub package uh, player who could eventually develop into a long time contributor as a starter. I, I, I actually really like this move. Um, it's very clear they wanted versatility in this draft. Devontae Smith can play all three wide receiver spots. Uh, Lyndon Dickerson can play guard and center. Um, and then obviously with Milton Williams, he can play all around the defensive line. So I was a fan of this pick. Uh, the athletics, Dane Brugler, who put together maybe the best draft guide I, I think I've ever seen. Um, you know, he had Milton Williams ranked as his, uh, I believe it was his 70th overall player. They traded back three spots from the 70th overall pick uh, to 73 and got him. So, and they got a six round pick, which is, which is nice. Okay. So let's, let's, let's grade this pick. Um, I think I gave it a B minus. What do you give it? I give it a solid B. Uh, definitely what he can provide in his in If he develops a second, Pass rush. He said he uses a stab club, his pass rush. But if he can get a second or even third rush, I think it's going to pan out in the long run. It's going to look very well. So here's what I'll say. Um, let's get into day four. You and I were adamant they needed a cornerback, and they got one. In Texas Tech cornerback, Zach McPherson, he started his career off at Penn State, was more of a special teams player. Moved to Texas Tech, became a two-year starter and a captain. Really good special teams player. I think he blocked two extra points and a field goal uh, during his time at Texas Tech. But he's also got some pretty good ball skills. Um, five foot eleven, around two hundred pounds or one hundred ninety-one pounds. He's got good size. He can play inside, outside. I see him as the favorite to be the number two corner until they end up signing somebody who I, I think will end up happening. Harry Roseman mentioned that they're probably not done at the cornerback position and kind of use the Ronald Darby preseason trade from 2017 as an example. Steven Nelson's still out there. I'm sure there are going to be corners that are on the block. The, I mean, the Eagles have 10 uh, 2022 picks. They might be able to swap them. Zach Ertz is still a trade chip. So we'll see if there's a player for player deal there. I like this pick a lot. Um, the Eagles said that they liked him so much. They thought about trading up into the third round for him. Um, Daniel Jeremiah had him as a top 100 player. Uh, Brugler did as well. What the or Brugler really, really liked him too. I, I think he was his 16th ranked cornerback and had him as like a third round pick. So, what do you think, Chris? With McPherson, I, I thought there could have been a little bit more value in that. This this is highlights that second round pick with Dickerson a little bit more. I thought they should have grabbed if they were going to grab one, they should have grabbed one in the second round because, and I'm glad they didn't trade up in the third round to get him. I mean, he's to me, he's a little stiff when it goes to those deep, those deep routes, and he belongs in a zone which the Eagles going to run, which is is a fine. I don't see him overtaking Avani Maddox now or in the future. I think he's slotted. He, he's a good replacement for Nikel Roby Coleman, I guess, because I think the way he Nikel Roby Coleman performed, uh, I think anybody would have been uh, a little bit better with that. But I think he's can be a nickel corner in this in thing. And like you mentioned before, he's a good special teams player, but. It, that they better be right about Dickerson because if 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 McPherson can't contribute or anything like that, for he's just going to highlight that pick even more. 
I think I think you use him on the outside in his own defense. He's definitely his own corner. There's no question about it. And I think Maddox has no business being on the outside. None. Nope. Absolutely none. So, I mean, look, I think the Eagles will end up signing or trading for a corner. They have to at this point. Whether it's a rebuild or not, they have to be competitive. And when you look at the wide receivers around this division, I mean, Washington's upgraded. Uh, the Giants seem to have a million wide receivers now. The Cowboys seem to have a million wide receivers. So I, I think when you're looking at that, they're going to have to upgrade. But I think McPherson, at worst, can be a really, really good number four corner. Uh, for this season as a rookie, at best, I think he is the favorite to start opposite Darius Slay. So, and also, sentiment, and just to say something quick as well, so didn't you think they were at least going to take use? They had, they seemed like they owned the entire six round pick. Didn't you think they were at least going to try to trade for a, a veteran corner at least to, to go help out? I mean, I'm talking like, a, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, for sure. You think? <laughs> well, I guess nobody was worth a six round pick. I don't know. Um, but there really weren't a lot of like veteran trades like there had been the last couple of years. So I don't know, maybe teams didn't want to trade good for bad or, or known for unknown. Um, I gave the pick an A minus because I do think that the value was there. I think he's going to be pretty, he kind of reminds me of Ellis Hobbs a little bit. Um, good comparison. Uh, I like it. Um, even if he's not a good starting cornerback, it seems like he's a great special teams player, which is something they've lacked for a very long time. Um, like Rudy Forbes is good, but like they need like a long-term young guy uh, who can do this thing. Um, what do you give it? I give it a C plus. I just, I just okay. think, yeah, C plus. All right, let's get to what I think was their best pick of the draft. Uh, kind of called this in advance, but Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis, the running back. He is Naheem Hines, in my opinion. Now, if you study the Colts offense, Naheem Hines was their third down uh, gadget receiver back and they used him to perfection. He was phenomenal. Um, really, really good weapon. And I think Gainwell is a little bit more talented physically, um, but I think they can use him almost identically. And I brought that comparison up to Nick Sirianni and he agreed with me. So pat on my back. Uh, <laughs> I heard that's what you're supposed to do. If you have a podcast, you're supposed to celebrate yourself at every, every moment. At least that's what happens on some podcasts. Uh, oh, we're doing it wrong then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing clearly, um, whatever. What are you going to do? Um, celebrate yourself anyway. Uh, so I think, I think this was a great pick. Uh, a lot of, uh, pundits had, uh, Gainwell as the third, fourth round pick. They got him in the fifth round. I gave it an A. You give me your overall take and your grade on, on this pick. This was a, this was an A. I thought it was it's a great pickup. I mean, I think it'll be a good compliment to Miles Sanders. And imagine the different formations they can use. You've had him and Sanders back there. You have Smith on the field along with. There's so much you can do, and the way to scheme up the, the designs and everything. It's just he he brings a lot. I love his speed. He's good out catching the ball out the backfield as well too. And he's. And if he gets matched up with a linebacker one-on-one on the outside, I'd probably say seven to eight times out of ten, he's going to win that matchup. So I love the pick. I think he contribute this season. And I think a lot of people are going to be happy with this overall. Yeah, I think he complements Miles Sanders and Boston Scott pretty well, especially if you look at Indy's offense uh, from last year. So let's get into the sixth round. Um, with the 189th overall pick, uh, the Eagles took Marlon Tuapu-Latu. Tupu. Tiapalulu. Yeah, there you go. That a boy. 
<laughs> I'm just going to call in Marlon T for right. Mr. T. <laughs> uh, so Mr. T, the defensive tackle from USC, uh, both Dane Brugler and um, Daniel Jeremiah had him as a top 100 player. Uh, both of them had had him as like the third or fourth guy at the position. We know this was a weak defensive tackle class, but he's a guy that I think can come in and, and be a no, long-term nose tackle for this team. Uh, Mr. T and Milton Williams <laughs> could be that second tier platoon for this Eagles team uh, moving forward. I like this pick. I gave it a B. What do you say? I thought it was solid as well, too. It's a B in my book as well. You just need somebody who's adequate enough that won't overshoot their gaps in, in the middle in the middle in the run game as well, too. And he's a solid overall. I mean, they're going to have to beef up this area. And we met, as I mentioned earlier, the defensive tackle situation a couple of years from now, there's a lot of uh, question marks around it. So adding him to it just gives you a, another solid option in the middle, in the middle of the defensive line. So overall it deserves a B. Uh, 191st overall, they select Taron Jackson, defensive end from Coastal Carolina. This dude was a numbers machine. I think he had like 24 uh, sacks and like 46 tackles for loss. A uh, little undersized, six foot two, around 245. Um, this was obviously a flyer pick with upside. He'll probably play a lot of special teams. He'll be um, a rotational defensive end. But as I mentioned earlier, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, um, and Derek Barnett are like really the only three proven defensive ends on this roster. Joe Osman's there. Matt Leo, your guy, is still there, but he's hey. probably a ways away from being on the field. <laughs> Uh, Jackson can come in and be that fourth defensive end, kind of move around, kind of be that uh, Jannard Avery type, uh, which I actually think this fits what they were doing with Schwartz with Jannard Avery more than Jannard Avery actually does, who now moves to linebacker. But um, I thought it was fine. I gave it a C plus. What do you think? I gave it an A. I, I love what this guy do. Like production, even when people go, oh, well, it's Coastal Carolina. Now they, this, I think when you look at what uh, Sunbelt – players i think that the sunbelt's an underrated conference there's a lot of good talent down there and the fact this guy was able to put up 18 sacks within that span of time he was down there i mean in the last two couple of years guy is good i love i love the way he gets around the edge i love his speed and he brings a co- different combination of moves around on the edge as well too so i think i i'm gonna if i had to compare like what he could be i think he could be a josh sweat like type of player and i think he's able to go if he's able to continue to develop and put on probably, I'd probably say if he could put on five more pounds, I'd be even better, which he probably will. I think he's going to be a, a good contributor and a good defensive lineman for his team. I, li- I think he needs to get to 260, to be honest with you. Um, so let's move on to like one of the, so their last two picks were kind of similar in that they were build as certain positions in college, played certain positions in college and build differently in the pros um which when you're in the sixth and seventh round it makes sense we should also mention that the eagles traded a sixth and seventh round pick their last picks in each round to washington for a 2022 fifth round pick thought that was a brilliant move uh with so many like things up in the air and the evaluation process being complete i thought it made a lot of sense so they take jacoby stevens uh safety from lsu they build him as a linebacker and I think that's really smart. He's six foot two, two hundred and eleven pounds. Um, really, really, really good blitzer for a college safety. I think he had like eight and a, nine and a half sacks, which is more sacks than Mr. T had, and he's a defensive lineman. Um, and then you look at his ball skills. He had four interceptions. Was really good on special teams. Was a team captain. 
I think he can come in and compete with, you know, Davian Taylor and, and uh, Sean Bradley and all those guys for like the first bite of the apple on the outside behind Alex Singleton and either Eric Wilson or whoever you put on the weak side, if Wilson's the middle linebacker, uh, I gave it a B minus. What do you think? I, this is a B. I think he, I liked his recognition when he was diagnosing a lot of plays. I love the fact that he has the athleticism to play that zone and to be able to cover a tight end across the middle. So given where he was selected and the role that he could play, I think he could be a decent player and I give this a B. Okay, so last pick in the draft, 234, uh, Patrick Johnson, defensive end, Tulane. Now, he was billed as a linebacker, which makes a lot of sense because he played the strong side edge uh, in college, which is a stand-up position. So he'll be, you know, we talk about linebackers with hook responsibilities. Those are normally the middle linebacker and weak side linebacker, meaning they're off the ball. Uh Johnson can be at the line of scrimmage and be used as a blitzer can be, you know, used to stunt and, and kind of get around offensive linemen in creative ways. I get it. It makes sense for a seventh round pick, but whatever. Uh, C plus, what do you got? I give it a B minus just like what you got with Teron Jackson. I think he's able to provide that pass rushing ability. And like you mentioned, he's a three, four guy. So it's going to take a little bit for him to get used to the four, three, I believe, especially if they use him with his hand in the ground. So I think that could be a little bit of a transition. But, I mean, if, if Jim Schwartz was here, I think he would have loved him. He would have had him here. But under his new – under Gannon, what potentially could use, eh, I, it might be a fit uh, – it might be a fit question for him. But overall, I think as a, a B-minus, I think he gives a lot of – I think he has enough talent, especially for the seventh round. I thought he did all right. Well, I think we've gotten some clues as to how they're going to use the same linebacker role because they are moving Jannard Avery from defensive end to linebacker. And I would imagine that if they're going to be in base and use a Sam linebacker, they're going to want to blitz that Sam linebacker or use him in coverage. And I think Jannard Avery and Patrick Johnson kind of fit the mold of a sub package player uh, on third down. Um, where if, if they give you, you know, a 12 personnel look you're kind of going in there and you're trying to figure out how you can misdirect. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, overall, I gave the class a B. Um, I, where were you at with the class? I gave it a B mainly because the, the first and third days, is, yeah, I think overall Devonta Smith helped that grade out a lot, but the, I think they're the last three picks that they used really helped raise their grade. So let's get over to their depth charts and needs. Uh, obviously, Devontae Smith's going to be one of their starting three wide receivers. I'd imagine Travis Fulgham and Jalen Rager, the other two guys, they'll probably rotate. One of them will be in the slot. One of them will be at one of the other outside positions. Uh, do you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think they, they really, truly need a cornerback because there's so many. It, okay, it, you, you're dropping the gun a little, but yeah, let's, oh, let's, just, get in, let's, just, let's just get in that, okay? <laughs> they, they definitely need, need a corner. Look, that's a pressing need. If anything, if they're going to make a move now, that's the move, right? Yeah. Um, I think they could use a veteran swing tackle, but I like what they got going on the offensive line. Uh, you know, I think wide receiver's fine. I think tight end, uh, they're definitely going to get rid of Zachert still. Don't don't get any glimmers of hope there. Um, but yeah, corner. It, it, that's what it is. It's corner. They need a corner. I was really shocked. I really wanted to see the Eagles, especially with you mentioned tight end. I mean, with the, all the reports of Ertz seeking his own trade and 
we thought we all thought that he was going to be gone during the draft too. I mean, a lot of people thought he was going to be gone. And you have Caleb Wilson and Jason Crimson back up. I would have liked them to see, or at least try to attempt to see them sign Kenny Yaboa. He got paid a lot of guaranteed money to go to the Jets. So with that guaranteed money, but I thought he would have been a good red zone target. He has the size. He has the, he's developed the hands. I mean, remember in his temple, he had, he had bricks for hands, but he developed into a good pass catching tight end. So I would have loved to see him uh, as like the number two tight end on his team, but they're going. To, I think they're going to find an option as a backup for uh, Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I mean, I think they could bring back somebody like Richard Rodgers or even somebody like Trey Burton, who's still on the market. Uh, he played for the Colts last year under Jason Michael, their new tight ends coach, Sirianni, obviously. Um, so I think that could work as well. But uh, guys, remember, you can sign up for Eagles Extra free for two weeks as we get into the offseason nj.com slash text come join us we're having fun on there chris took over for the draft and it really went well got a lot of positive feedback there then you can also remember to download and 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 rate five stars for wherever you get your podcast for the no huddle show podcast uh we appreciate all the feedback we've gotten so much great feedback lately uh and we appreciate you guys uh letting us know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong actually we we love the feedback so for chris I'm Mike. We'll see you soon.